Thanks for coming out tonight, and I trust you will be blessed and a special shout out to our Zoomer family. And um, it's just a joy to have so many uh, tuning in um, outside the chapel, but um, special shout to Reed Thomas there. Reed, if you're listening, I'll try and throw something in for kids tonight. It was geared towards adults, but uh, for Reed, I'll try and find something of kid value as I go through. We're going to take a look tonight at a section in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 17, and as we come together, let's just ask the Lord's help for uh, our meeting here tonight. Heavenly Father, we do uh, just humbly bow our heads and our minds and our hearts before you tonight. Uh, We come together uh, through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No other name uh, draws us together. We're thankful for uh, his call on our lives. We're thankful for this uh, opportunity to come together and hear your word. Father, we um, ask for the Holy Spirit to work in our midst tonight to... uh, Uh, Help us hear what you have for us. Father, uh, words written out so long ago apply uh, particularly to where we're at in our culture tonight. So I pray for help and I pray for clarity as as we go through this uh, section in your word. And uh, we're just so thankful for the freedoms we enjoy in this country. Um, We are blessed. We recognize it. We have comfort. We have peace. Uh, We have prosperity, and and, um, we are thankful for what we have, and we give thanks for all things in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Trust after Thanksgiving, you are feeling thankful for for what we have in Canada and where we're at in the city we live in, and I think what we'll cover tonight uh, will help us... uh, think on that a a bit more. Um, We have lots of freedoms we enjoy here living in Ottawa. And as we come to this section, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, uh, commentators would say that that Peter shifts into a more practical tone for Christian living. Up to this point, uh, he's been going over who we are in Christ and the blessings we have in Christ and our position in Christ. And now uh, we're going to switch into some uh, practical aspects of how we're to live as Christians. Um, If you missed it, tune back to what Gideon Willard had to say about chapter one, and and just he enumerated the blessings we have in our position in Christ, and it was a good overview of... of, um, 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you weren't here when we started this study, which I think was um, early September or end of August, I sort of forget, Tim Knuth introduced this uh, book to us, um, giving an account of of where Peter was writing from. So he was writing from Rome. He was a captive in Rome, serving the Lord in Rome, preaching the gospel in Rome, and writing to Christians exiled... um, around uh, around the world, in fact. And um, 
he and Paul were writing together from Rome. And um, they were writing in the context of extreme persecution of the, of the Christians in Rome. And Emperor Nero was, in fact, um, persecuting Christians, uh, um, martyring Christians. Um, um, and it was a very difficult time for Christians, as Peter and Paul were writing. And they wrote a couple of companion passages about how we are to live in terms of recognizing the authority around us, the governance authority around us. And a good um, companion piece to what we're reading tonight is found in Romans chapter 13. And if if you were paying attention back in January, I, I preached on a, a message called Live Free, Honor the King. And tonight what we're going to cover is, is a bit more thinking on that as, as um, I reflected on, on what's happened since January. You will know that we've had the Freedom Convoy and um, just the, the commotion that, that came with that and the Emergency Measures Act invoked and loss of freedoms. And uh, my intent is not to be political tonight. If, if I sound like I'm on a soapbox and, and preaching politics, that's not my time. I want to preach from the Word of God tonight and trust the Word of God to guide our hearts and minds as we think about uh, how we honor the emperor. So let's let's start reading, and I just also want to set the stage. Last week, as as we read through the first part of First um, Peter chapter two, verse nine stuck in my mind and Peter would write you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession and it's the thought of being a holy nation that I want us to to particularly focus on tonight as we read the next few verses we are a holy nation God's people a holy nation set apart for God, uh, the King James Version calls us a peculiar people, but uh, I think a better translation is people of God's possession. And uh, we recognize that together tonight. So let's, let's start reading in at verse 11, recognizing that we are a holy nation chosen by God and blessed by God. And Peter would write in verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and aliens to abstain from the passions of the flesh. I want to pause again just to, to set this stage. We're a holy nation, and then Peter says, you're sojourners and aliens. And um, when we look at the different translations of this verse, uh, some would say we're strangers and exiles, we're foreigners. Um, as I thought through and looked at some of the Greek, I think sojourners and aliens works for me. So aliens means we're a foreigner to this country. We're a foreigner to this land. And sojourner adds the context, we're living in this land. We're not just foreigners, uh, we're living in this land. And as people living in this land, we have rights and responsibilities. And Part of our responsibility is to um, respect the authorities around us. So um, 
As we get into this passage then, we're a holy nation, we're sojourners, we're living in this land, and we're aliens, but we're from the other. This is not our homeland. This is, this is a foreign country to us, and we live in that light. So Peter would write in verse 11, chapter 2, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and aliens to abstain from the passage of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Pausing here for a second, this this little section, two verses, really sets the stage for what comes next. So we recognize we're sojourners, we're living in this land, but we're foreigners to this land. This is not our land. This is not our home country. And we're to abstain from the passage of the flesh. Jonathan, on Sunday morning, uh, spoke to us about how Samson struggled with the flesh and lessons that we learn from Samson's life as he struggled with selfish desires. And uh, we live with that. We live with that nature within us, but we're called to abstain from it. Now, when I think of passions of the flesh, uh, we're pretty selfish people. We don't want to be governed. We don't want to be told what to do. And we don't want to pay taxes. We're, we're a selfish people. We're, we're called to abstain from those selfish desires which wage war against our soul. And then keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles, those people that don't belong to Christ. Keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. As we go through the next verses, I want you to ask yourself three questions. Am I living in freedom? Am I doing good? Am I honoring the emperor? We're called to be sojourners, live in this land as foreigners, abstaining from passions of the flesh and keeping our conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against us, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. As I prepared my thoughts for tonight, uh, my mind was reflecting on a couple of uh, news articles. So some of you will know that I'm a news affectionado. I, I enjoy reading the news. And um, one article woke me up in uh, April. I have it printed out here. And it was the article about a new survey published by Angus Reid and Cardis, a Christian thought tank. Um, and they published this article about how people perceived evangelical Christians. And it would conclude this. Um, broader society is, is not fully comfortable and fully clear what to do with religion, and therefore they show signs of discomfort. It's not intolerance at the moment, it's discomfort. The survey re 
reveals that all religious groups surveyed viewed evangelical Christianity as more damaging to society than beneficial. Groups, all religious groups, including atheists, surveyed viewed evangelical Christianity as more damaging to society than beneficial. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Um, a survey published this year and uh, society and, and this survey was done before Freedom Convoy. Um, they view evangelical Christians as damaging to society. Sobering thought. Um, tied in Catholicism, evangelical Christianity and Islam are damaging society and um, people across the country continue to turn their backs on religion. That's, that's the culture we live in, and I don't expect this is the end of articles similar to this, which would cite that evangelical Christians are damaging to society. We have to argue against this. We have to be light in this world, and show reason why this is not the case, but um, survey results are clear that um, society as a whole is not perceiving Christianity in a good light. And um, it, the survey says it's intolerance at the moment. It's not intolerance, it's discomfort. So that's, that's one article from the news. And this week I was buoyed by a, a different article. And it was uh, dealing with uh, tai, uh, Taiwan and Canadians in Taiwan. So Canadians as foreigners in Taiwan. So that's part of the tie-in to our thoughts tonight. Canadians as foreigners in Taiwan and how well-received Canadians were. And in particular, much of the credit for uh, favoring Christians goes to one fellow, George Leslie McKay, a locally revered Presbyterian missionary from Ontario who helped make the church the leading force in Taiwan's small Christian minority. More to the point, McKay pushed forward the country's development in a number of areas, launching modern health facilities, schools or universities, and even practicing dentistry. The man died in 1901, but the church he helped build, led by locals with continued moral support, promoted democratic freedoms, and is well-received in Taiwan, and Canadians in particular are appreciated in Taiwan. So that's sort of the reverse view of, of what the Canadian survey showed, but in Taiwan, Canadians and Canadian Christians are are well respected for the good work that they did. And this this section starts out by saying you're called to do work, to abstain from evil passions and live such good lives that even though they speak against you as evildoers, when the Lord re returns, they will uh, give God glory and recognize your good deeds. We may not be recognized as we go through life for, for what we're doing as good. But um, this text be behind us uh, um, reflects that uh, when the Lord's return, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and Peter would say, and they're going to recognize that Christians did good uh, while they served God, and they will glorify God on the day of his visitation. Let's get into the the next section of verses and uh, 
again, I remind you three, three questions you're asking yourselves. Am I living in freedom? Am I doing good? Am I honoring the emperor? So verse 13 says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. That's what we're called to in this section. I want to give some thinking around what it takes to live our lives in accordance with that. So living as strangers, as aliens, uh, we are called to recognize that we're not in our home country, that we are headed towards a, a home country. We are sojourners here. We're living here. We have rights and responsibilities as uh, people living in this country, but uh, we are looking forward to a new country, a new city whose maker and founder is God, and we pray that his will be done, his kingdom come. Are you living in freedom tonight? That's a fairly complex thought, isn't it? Um, I was thinking of the song that says, Count Our Blessings, and maybe we should count our freedoms, sing a, sing a song that says, Count Our Freedoms. As, as I reflect on uh, where we are in, in Canada, we have a lot of freedoms, and, and um, we need to be thankful for that and thank the Lord for the freedoms we have. And it's easy to, to preach this in a sense, standing in Canada, I would wonder if I was in Russia, how I would feel about this section. If I was in China, how would I feel about this section? If I was in a, a difficult place, uh, persecuted as a Christian, how would I feel about this, this section? But I, I think there's an imperative sense here that we are called to live free and recognize our freedoms and are not our freedoms are not freedoms to do whatever we want freedom to uh, perhaps meet like this um, what are the freedoms that uh, peter is referring to and first and foremost they are spiritual freedoms so we may not uh, have perfect freedom but we have perfect spiritual freedom and there's numerous freedoms in Christ that we could be thinking about. Uh, I have a list of 15 that um, uh, I was uh, considering, and I'm not going to uh, list them out for you tonight. If, if you want to uh, get a sense of um, our freedoms in Christ, our spiritual freedoms in Christ, I'll just say uh, freedom from guilt, freedom from God's wrath, freedom from fear of death, freedom from legalism, freedom from Satan's dominion, freedom to approach God, and so on. Those are our spiritual freedoms, and, and we live and rejoice in that sense. And, and Christians anywhere in the world would enjoy those freedoms. 
particularly freedom from Satan's dominion. What a joy that should uh, give our hearts and minds that uh, Satan no longer has uh, dominion over us. We've been delivered from the power of darkness uh, to the spirit of light. But I think there's uh, freedom of conscience as well that we need to consider, freedom of conscience. So Paul, in particular, as he was writing to, to believers scattered around in 1 Timothy 1.19, in Acts 24, in Acts 23, he would speak about his conscience is clear before God and man. And um, it sort of ties the thought, yes, we have spiritual freedoms, but um, uh, Paul, as he was addressing the courts, would, would say, my conscience is clear before uh, God and man. And he was referring to his, his uh, ability to live under the authority of the land, yet uh, obey God and, and do as God uh, required of him. And so we have freedom of conscience to consider what do we believe is right. And uh, I don't want to draw this out too much further other than to, to say that our thoughts around what our conscience dictates us to do needs to be driven by the scriptures. What we do and what we believe needs to be driven by God's truth as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. We can get uh, argumentative and debative about uh, different things, but let's, let's keep our conscience clear before God in terms of what he teaches us in his Scripture, then live out our lives accordingly. And there's much that we can be concerned about in terms of uh, our society here in Canada, legislation and things that uh, we're not to do. But yet we have spiritual freedoms and uh, we can have a clear conscience before God. And we need to um, personally figure out uh, where the line is between what is right and what is wrong. So are you living in freedom tonight, recognizing that first and foremost, what Peter's referring to is spiritual freedoms as set out uh, through Christ. We're free to do good. Imperative in, in this thought is um, we are called to do good in this society. Um, we're not to stay home. We're not to isolate ourselves. We're not to meet in our little groups and, and, and talk about doing good. We are to get out and do good. So I ask you, are you doing good? Am I doing good? And what does doing good mean? We won't go into... Um, doing good is not a saving uh, action. You're not doing good to be saved. You're doing good because you are saved, because your faith requires you to be saved. And Peter would back that up by calling us to do good. For it's the will of God, he says in verse 15, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So what are we doing to do good? I thought in the past of a number of initiatives that Christians have, have done, and the article about Taiwan talks about schools and hospitals, and rooted in history is, is uh, a wealth of, of Christians involved in setting up hospitals and schools, and we can continue to do that work. Uh, the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, World Vision, Christian Horizons, and so on. 
a number of powerful agencies started by Christians and that legacy is is there. Um, sadly, some of these uh, groups have, have abdicated their control to, to government and government policy and rules, but um, we need to be ones that would continue to do good, to find ways to um, do what God requires of us to act justly in this culture. And we can find ways. You don't have to go far to find ways where you can do good, where you can plug into uh, some effort to uh, promote the gospel. So I ask you, what are you doing to do good? And we remember, we're not necessarily going to get personal recognition in this life for doing this. The article about the missionary in, in um, Taiwan was written well after uh, his life ended. And it's certainly no guarantee that we would get recognition in this life for what we do. But ultimately, we are doing this for God's glory, that in the day he visits the world, God will be glorified. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Christians will be recognized for the good work that they have done. And I think it needs to be part of our worldview that as we uh, live in a culture that's negative towards evangelical Christians, as we live in a culture that wouldn't support evangelical work, um, we can point to some of the good work done in the past by Christians, and we need to point people to the good work that's been done by the Red Cross, by the Salvation Army, by World Vision, by Christian Eyes, and point people to the fact that Christians are good for society, that Christians do good for society, and we need to be people involved in that worldview and explaining to a dark, hurting world that Christians are not um, a detriment to society. Let's commit to doing good together. It's good to love the brotherhood together. It's good to work together. It's good to do good together. And as a small local church, I'd, I'd encourage us to find common ways to do good. Sometimes I feel we get a little too um, diverse in, in what we're working on, and one person does this and one person does that. And, and uh, uh, let's see if we can find ways to work together to do good in our neighborhood and um, point people to Christ. And the final thought I want to, to think about tonight is honoring the emperor. That's the, uh, the challenge part, isn't it? We can, we can live in this world. We can recognize we have spiritual freedoms, but how do we submit to the authorities around us, subject to the Lord's sake, to every human institution, um, we're called to love the honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. How do we honor the emperor in this day and age? Um, we need to start by saying we have a God-given role uh, to honor the emperor, and the emperor has a God-given role to be the authority. So um, Romans 13 in particular speaks to the fact that God puts kings in place and emperors in place. Uh, God is sovereign, and he allows things to happen, and he has put 
our government in place. We start by recognizing that and we give God glory for what he's doing. Um, and we recognize that our emperor has an authority. Uh, we don't like paying tax, but uh, it is our responsibility to pay taxes, specifically um, spoken of by the Lord Jesus. To, we are called to pay tax to Caesar. We're to obey the laws of the land, um, except when they contradict the word of God, the clear word of God. Obey the laws of the land is one way that we can honor the emperor. And pray for the authorities. That's particularly what I, I would like to stress to tonight as we meet for prayer. We are to pray for the authorities. Um, we pray for their righteous decrees, expecting maybe we won't get those. We pray for their salvation. And let's be a body of believers that would pray for the authorities around us. A little plug-in for October 28th when there will be the Ottawa Civic Prayer Breakfast. It's an annual event where Christians come together and pray for the civic authorities and pray for the mayor, pray for the uh, um, police in Ottawa. And that happens October 28th, and it's called the Ottawa Civic Prayer Breakfast. I would say we honor the emperor by working in government. Um, some people withdraw from working in the government, but um, I think it's, it's a privilege at times to work in government, to be a Christian working in government. Um, I was struck a little bit by the example of those that God used while working in government. Um, in particular, one thought from Philippians 4, Paul would write to the Philippians and, and this, say, the saints in Caesar's household greet you. And there's a neat thought there. Who were these saints in Caesar's household that were able to greet the Philippians? And there were a number of people in the Old Testament that worked in, under the authorities. And um, God used people working in government in mighty ways. So we have that opportunity to serve God even in a governance role. And I don't have scripture to back this up, but I think as Christians, we should be voting. We've got a municipal election coming up and I'm trying not to be at all political, but I think in this country, we have a privilege of voting. We have a privilege of expressing who we want to be our government. And we live in a democratic uh, culture, and I would urge us to be very serious about our uh, responsibility to vote. There isn't a particular scripture that uh, um, supports that, except to say that um, we shine as light in this, this world, and um, we respect the authority, and the authorities ask us to vote. And uh, as the authorities ask us to vote, uh, we can vote and express who we want to uh, have govern us. So potentially um, voting is one aspect of it, but maybe even running for office is something that uh, Christians would want to get involved with. 
And finally, I, I mentioned in terms of honoring um, the emperor, honoring authorities, um, the thought of petitioning government cups up again. So I, I spoke about this back in January, but uh, rather than go protest on the street, rather than go riot on the street, the government has said, if you're dissatisfied with the laws, petition us. And there's an official method for petitioning. And the, one of the simple senses, get 300 signatures and a member of parliament to support your position and it'll be read in, in parliament. And I believe we need to figure out ways at times to petition the government. There is legislation we can't agree with. There is legislation that needs to change. And petitioning the government is a valid and moral way that Christians can use to uh, influence government. So as we look at this section, then um, there's some practical points here that uh, we are called to reflect on, to, to think about as we live out our lives. Um, we are called to uh, think about our freedoms, to live in our freedoms, to rejoice in our freedoms. Paul would say it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And uh, we are free people to live conscience, clear lives before God. And we enjoy many spiritual freedoms. We are called to do good. And I would put it on your heart tonight. What am I doing to do good in our society? And we're called to honor the emperor, obey the laws of the land, respect the authorities, pray for the authorities. And as we wrap it up tonight, uh, I would encourage us to be thinking about praying for the authorities, pray for the election that's to come, pray for the government that's in place right now, and pray that we would be bold in our faith to show to society, the culture around us, that evangelical Christians are not a detriment to society. I leave you with those thoughts and encourage you to share um, what you thought with me. I appreciate feedback and look forward to uh, any questions you might have.